Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to details for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, Happy New Year, and thanks for joining us on another edition of Sports Business Radio. I hope everyone had a nice holiday season. We are entering year 19 of Sports Business Radio in 2023, if you can believe that. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing good, and as uh, you know, Danica Patrick said, the OGs of podcasting. Here we go, 19 years, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, we've discussed that uh, we don't want to skip this year, but uh, year 2-0, we're going to have to do some pretty special things. I would invite our listening audience to go into the archives. We've got many, many podcasts over the years with the biggest names in sports and business. Go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts or sportsbusinessradio.com. We've even got a YouTube channel. You can watch some of our uh, best conversations there as well. Griggs, uh, I know many people were watching the Monday night football game last night as we record this. Um, and it was between the Buffalo bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. It was in Cincinnati. A lot of people anxiously awaiting the matchup of two of the best teams in the NFL, certainly in the AFC, uh, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, but tragedy hit the field. And, you know, it's something that you hope never happens at a sporting event. But um, Buffalo Bill safety, DeMar Hamlin, suffered a cardiac arrest after making a tackle. Uh, His heartbeat was restored on the field, according to the team. The second-year player collapsed on the field. He was given CPR, and he was taken to a hospital in Cincinnati, where he's currently listed, as we record this, in critical condition. The NFL eventually postponed the game between the Bills and the Bengals, and they just came out minutes ago and said the game will not be resumed this week and there's no makeup date scheduled. So other games will take place this weekend, week 18 of the NFL season. This will not be one of them. So, um, so many places to start, but you know, I want to preface this conversation by saying I was behind the mic on March 4th, 1990, when Loyola Marymount All-American Hank Gathers collapsed and died in a basketball game. I saw something like this happen right in front of me. Unfortunately, that ended uh, in the worst case scenario with Hank dying. Uh, DeMar Hamlin is still alive and we're sending our thoughts and prayers and hoping for the best for him. 
But uh, I have a unique perspective on this because I saw, you know, what happened to the players and and certainly what happened to us. I mean, I, I was not on ESPN, but I know what Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were feeling like last night. There's really no words that can describe what you're watching. Uh, I have friends on the Loyola Marymount basketball team that I consider brothers to this day. Um, and, you know, to see their emotions for their fallen teammate at the time, Hank Gathers reminded me of what I was watching last night with DeMar Hamlin. And, you know, these players are going to need therapy for a while. They, they saw something very traumatic last night. You know, it's been 33 years since I saw Hank Gathers collapse and die in front of me. And I still think about it a lot. And every time I see a player go down in a sporting event, like I did last night, I have flashbacks to that night. So um, to expect these players to continue playing that game last night was absurd. Um, the NFL did make the right decision. It took them an hour to make the decision. And Griggs, you wonder, you know, one of the things I do in my, my quote unquote day job is I help organizations, teams, leagues, um, plan for crises. And you have to think of the worst case scenario. And as I watched this unfold last night, I wondered, has the NFL ever planned for a death on the field or something like what we saw happen? Last night, it didn't look like it. I know there's a lot of stakeholders. You've got the Bills, you've got the Bengals, you've got the medical team, you've got the league office in New York. There's a lot of people involved. But it seemed pretty obvious when you saw the reaction of the players to what was happening that they couldn't continue playing this game. So the fact that it took the league office an hour to say the game would be postponed, it seemed like too long. Yeah. And I mean, reports too that, you know, I've been reading and, and hearing too, it sounds like the teams basically decided before the NFL, they're like, we're not playing right. this game. And that right. makes, you know, it's even worse on the NFL because you're right. They've got to have this crisis stuff planned. It can't take an hour. You've got 70,000 fans sitting there wondering what's going on too. You've got teams wondering what's going on. That has to be more instant. I mean, it's got to be, and just the, I, I thought when they came out and said they're going to have a five minute warm up time, I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, this is not something you just warm up and go out and play five minutes later. I just, I was shocked by that. Any human being who sees someone that they care about in a life or death situation, you don't just resume normal activities a few minutes later. You just don't. There was no way that players on either team wanted to play without knowing the status of DeMar Hamlin. It became pretty clear that you weren't going to know the status of DeMar Hamlin in an hour, in two hours, and three hours, we still, you know, hours later, don't know what his status is other than he's in critical condition and he's in intensive care. Um, but to ask the players to resume that activity. Now, at the same time that's going on, Griggs, you've got the reporters for ESPN in really this unique position that, again, most reporters play-by-play people, color analysts, you know, your Joe Bucks, Troy Aikman's, Lisa Salters, uh, eventually Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Clark later in the night. You never planned for this. You know, you don't, there's no journalism class in, you know, how do you broadcast in crises? How do you broadcast in a life or death situation? I thought the ESPN reporters did about of good of a job as you could do under the circumstances. Again, I've literally sat in that seat. No, not on ESPN, but yes, trying to describe the facts, trying not to speculate, trying to just let the audience know, like, here is what we know. 
and there's a lot we don't know so we can't speculate um you know i remember with the hank gather situation i literally left the courtside broadcast location after they took him off in the ambulance and i went down the hill to daniel freeman hospital in los angeles and you know i was in the hallway when they unfortunately pronounced hank dead and i called my uh broadcast partner keith foreman also the co-founder of sports business radio and keith went on the air in los angeles obviously this is before twitter or any kind of social media and he announced that hank had passed away so there's so much speculation there's so many things going on there's so many sources of information i've often thought what would hank gathers situation have been like if we had social media back then um you know espn happened to have a camera because they were uh, going to be doing the championship game in the West Coast Conference the night before. By the way, Eric Spolster, the now coach of the Miami Heat, was playing in that game where Hank Gathers died. He was playing for the University of Portland. Eric and I have discussed this and that night many, many times. But what were your thoughts on ESPN's coverage? I, I thought they did about as well as they could do under the circumstances. Yeah, I think uh, just like you said, I think, what do you say? I thought uh, Joe and Troy initially did great. I mean, really, they just let the scene play out. They didn't even talk. You just hear the sound and how quiet it was in that arena was just unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, just when they came back from a break and it was just, you just hear the sound. Um, I mean, that just like that hit me because it's like, wow, this is a big deal. I mean, if you've got this many people silent, you don't hear anything. Uh, I, but I thought they did as, as great. I think when they went to the halftime crew with uh, Booger McFarland, I thought they did a great job. His insight was really good. The realness of him talking about being on the field with players and how big this is and it's more than the game now. It's life and death with with this player. So I thought they did good on the halftime. And then like you mentioned too, Ryan Clark had some great things to say with uh, Scott Van Pelt later in the night too, about the realness of these are human players going out there, putting their life on the line to play this sport and living their dream. And you just don't know what, you know, each hit's going to lead to, but uh, overall I I thought they did really well. Lisa Salters being down there by the locker room, getting some, some footage of, you know, just the conversation between the head coaches uh, going back and forth and literally the real time taking phone calls and trying to figure out how to, how to make this thing resolve. So uh, yeah, overall I thought it was, it was really well done as, as good as you could do. And I couldn't keep my eyes off it. I mean, I was on Twitter refreshing constantly. I was watching the game. You and me were texting a couple of times. I mean, it's just, that stuff just stops you in your tracks and you can't look away. You're trying to just take it in and you don't know what to do. It's just uh, it's real life happening as it's happening and uh, pretty crazy scene. Yeah. I mean, for years and I've talked about it on this show, I mean, this is going to sound harsh, but, Football is a gladiator sport. It is a brutal sport. How many players do we see dying young? Maybe not on the field, but after, you know, lingering effects of playing in the NFL. Um, You know, these hits are like car accidents on every play. Um, They're so big and they're so fast. I just feared, you know, was there a day coming where we're going to see a player die on the football field? And these games have so many people watching them. And, you know, it is like the death of a gladiator. Again, DeMar Hamlin is still with us. I hope he recovers from this. But what we saw last night was about as close to that as we could get on a football field. And, and you know, again, we saw the NFL's response. I didn't think it was great. Um, it seemed a little insensitive in the moment, especially given the reactions by the players. Um, I do think, you know, postponing the game eventually 
and saying we're not going to resume it this week is the right call. Um, you know, again, using my loyal Marymount experience, I mean, we went to a funeral in Philadelphia after that game. We, you know, it, it was two or three weeks before that team could play a game. Mm-hmm. And even then, it was just so emotional and, you know, crying on the bench, crying during the game when Bo Kimball made his left-handed free throw. And, um, you know, again, this is human emotion that we're talking about. And it's not just like sports. You can't, I think sometimes we get caught up in um, looking at these athletes as like, oh, they're my fantasy player or, you know, they're just like a number on the field. They're not a human being. And, you know, the other thing that I found ironic was that Demar Hamlin's mom was in the stands last night. And again, you know, Hank Gather's mom was in the stands when Hank went down and, you know, to be witness to that, it's the worst nightmare for a parent. And no matter how old your child is, even if they're an adult, they're always your child. They're always your kid. And it's a traumatic thing for the family to witness as well. But you know, she was able to get to the hospital with him and ride in the ambulance. And and that was good news. I thought the Bengals couldn't have been a better host. I mean, their medical staff rushed onto the field with the bills. The ambulance was out there right away. They found a hospital that was only a couple miles away. University of Cincinnati, you know, trauma unit. Um, Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, went to the hospital last night um, you know, Bengals players were so supportive. You saw Joe Burrow hugging uh, Josh Allen. Um, they lit the stadium in blue in the night. I mean, they bent over backwards to show their love and support for their brothers on the other side. And, you know, kudos, as I said, on social media to the Bengals organization for doing all that they could in a really difficult moment. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was, uh, yeah, some of those scenes with both teams, you know, hugging and crying together. And I thought the Joe Buck kept giving credit to the fans too, being respectful and being quiet and just taking it in. I mean, that I thought you're right. They handled it amazing. You saw after the fact, uh, a ton of fans went to the hospital and did vigils and prayers and all that, Cincinnati and Buffalo fans. And uh, you mentioned uh, his mom being there too. So cool because it's a road game for the Bills. It was uh, awesome that she was there and able to see him. Uh, and be in the ambulance with them. And credit to, I think Joe Buck said it, uh, you know, if this has to happen, what a, a better place to happen other than the hospital. I mean, that you've got the best doctors in the world on both sidelines. You've got an ambulance and, and EMTs there. I think that's that saved his life. I mean, if that's if he's out running in the park and this happens and no one finds him, he doesn't, he doesn't live through it. So I think uh, credit to the medical staff to get out there and get that heart back. And uh, yeah, I think that whole situation was handled really, really well and uh, taken care of as good as they could do. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. When it comes to your health and longevity, you hold nothing back. You understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build strength, speed recovery, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real time recovery pro tips 
after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash SBR. That's insidetracker.com forward slash SBR. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Going back to the ESPN coverage, I'm not sure there could have been a better person other than Scott Van Pelt to lead the coverage last night. I mean, you know, he he was fantastic. And you could tell. I mean, again, this is a shocking moment. This is not something that you prepare for in journalism school or, you know, even in your career. Um, Ryan Clark has always been one of my favorites. He's, you know, was a great player, very eloquent as a player, has been a tremendous broadcaster. And he was so brutally honest and was so poignant and and really, really good. So I thought they did a great job. Again, Lisa Salters, whenever they cut to her, and it was hard for her not to get emotional. Can't blame her at all. And, you know, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, they really just looked speechless. I mean, they they looked like um, they didn't really even know what to say. And, and you know, as they said, there's no words. Like, there's there's nothing that you can say other than just reporting the facts and reporting what's happening in real time. There's nothing you can say that's going to, you know, fully describe the moment or make anything better for anyone. Now, unfortunately, when moments like this happen, you do have jackasses on Twitter. Um, I was blocking people like Dikembe Mutombo <laughs> last night on Twitter. Yep. Just idiots. You know, hey, toughen up, get back on the field. You know, my fantasy team needs these points. Um, I mean, just stupid stuff. But there might not have been a bigger asshat last night than Skip Bayless yep. of Fox Sports. And I was happy to see that Shannon Sharp, his partner, didn't show up today for the show and basically left him there to deal with the fallout of his comments on Twitter last night all to himself. And, you know, look, I know there's a shtick for people like Skip to get viewers and to be a contrarian and to be, you know, against the grain and try and stir the pot and all of that stuff. But there's also being human mm -hmm. and for him to make the comments that he made last night during that grave situation was completely uncalled for. And frankly, if Fox sports doesn't do something to punish him or address what he did on behalf of the network, I think they're in error as well. But you know, I won't even give anyone else the the pleasure of me naming their name. But, you know, there were other people out there last night that were being jerks, too. On the flip side of that, Griggs, I'm always amazed by the human spirit and kindness that exists in the world. So DeMar Hamlin started a toy drive a few years ago, and he was doing the toy drive again for underprivileged youth. And before the game, they had asked to raise $2,500 on a GoFundMe page. As of this recording right now, they've raised over $4 million from people contributing. I contributed. I would say go to our Twitter feed at SB Radio, and you can find the link to the toy drive. You know what? He's number three. Give three bucks. I mean, give whatever you can give, but like this guy's a good kid. He's done stuff in the community. Uh, he's everything that you want about an athlete. You know, he plays hard. He's a good person in the locker room. He's a good person in the community. Um, you know, he was a star at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, so that community has has really rallied around him as well. I saw Mike Tomlin, the coach of the Steelers, 
had some comments today. Tom Brady has come out. I thought it was really interested, interesting that uh, Chris Pronger, who had something similar happen to him on the ice in 1998, he was struck blunt force with a puck right in the chest, and he fell over much like what we saw with DeMar Hamlin yesterday. He got the care that he needed, and he's doing fine today. So we're hoping for the same kind of outcome for DeMar Hamlin. Um, but it was nice that Chris Pronger you know, reminded us of, hey, I went through something very similar. I survived it. I'm doing okay. Like, keep the hope. There, there's some hope here. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool to see. I saw a stat about that, uh, his, his fund, uh, the GoFundMe. 0.003 seconds there was a donation every 0.003 i mean that is just that's the cool part of humanity when we can come together and do something like that i want to see his face when he you know is back in 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 doing his own stuff when he gets to that total like hey we've got four million overnight or whatever i mean he's going to be blown away that's going to be such a highlight for him and you know how many kids that's going to change their life too so there's always good from tragedy obviously and this is uh this is a fascinating scene. I was just that was so cool to see that just that total keep racking up and it's still gonna keep racking up and uh that's that's pretty cool. I, I am so happy for for his fund and for all those kids that's gonna change their lives. Yeah. You can't help but think about the NFL and, and player safety. And I know, you know, some people may say he got hit at just the right place at the right time, or in this case, the wrong place at the wrong time. And you know, this is a one in a million type of hit that would cause him to have this cardiac arrest. But football is such a brutal sport. It's such a gladiator sport. You see more players who have played football die at a young age than any other sport because of the immense contact that you're dealing with. And this is probably a conversation for another day. But one of my other thoughts was, how many current NFL and college players are rethinking their careers after what they saw last night? And how many parents whose kids play football are going to now steer their kid away from football and say, you know what, go play basketball, go play baseball, go play pickleball, go, go play golf, go play a non-contact sport that isn't going to result in, you know, a potentially catastrophic injury or you know, at least something that's going to really hurt your body after your playing career. It seems like, God, every month, you know, we just saw during the, the break, uh, Franco Harris, 72 years old, looked like he was in good health. You know, he dies. Um, it seems like every month we're losing a former NFL player. Um, and it's just really sad. So, you know, is this a seminal moment? For the NFL, this was something that transcended sport. People were watching Monday Night Football, but quickly it became news on, you know, Fox and CNN and CNBC. And like this becomes a human story. So when something like that happens, you wonder, are parents going to say or are players themselves going to decide, you know what? It's just not worth it. You know, you see J.J. Watt also since our last show announced his retirement. Well, J.J. Watt had a heart episode earlier in the year. They had to shock his heart back into rhythm. He just had his first child with his wife and he decided, you know what? I don't need to do this anymore. I've got plenty of money and, you know, I've got my first child and I've got my whole life in front of me. I don't need to play the gladiator sport anymore. So are we going to see more of that at the very least where players come in and maybe they play five or six years 
And then they say, you know what? I'm out. Like I, I made some good money. I, you know, still have my health for the most part and I'm going to move on. Or does this start even younger than that where parents wake up this morning and go, you know what, Johnny, like you've been playing Pop Warner football, no more. Like you, you go play something else. You're not playing football anymore. And I have parent friends. I mean, I have a daughter, so this was not a conversation for us, but you know, I have parent friends who have said like, no, I, I don't want my kid playing football. And yeah. so. Yeah, I think uh, somebody mentioned that last night on the broadcast too about uh, having these machines, the AED machines. If you're going to keep playing football, they need to be at every single stadium from age five or whenever they start playing because these are life-saving machines. And I don't think that has been installed and incorporated into every arena and every single high school, but they have to be there. I mean, if you're going to play this kind of sport, you know, and even these younger kids that aren't as developed as these, you know, professional athletes, it's probably even easier to take a hit and get crushed in the, in the heart, you know, and, and the ribs because they're not built the same way, but uh, they've got to have these machines on every football field, you know, and I think at every football game, they've got to have a doctor or doctors around because it's just not worth it. If you're going to keep playing these, these violent sports, there's got to be ways to at least, you know, shock these hearts back. Cause it's going to happen again, most likely. Yeah. Well, I'll give a quick plug 44 for life. So after Hank gathers died, Bo Kimball, his former teammate and a few others started an organization called 44 for life. You can Google them. They, that's their mission, Griggs, is to get AEDs not only in every pro facility, but every high school facility, every grade school facility, anywhere where someone could go down. Could be Parks and Rec, could be the Boys and Girls Club, it could be anywhere. They want to have AEDs in there. So at least there's a chance that if something like this happens, that you can shock the heart back into rhythm. Um, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to have success, but like you said, you know, there should be AEDs in every facility. If you work in sports, I don't care what level you're at and you're listening to this and you don't have an AED in your facility, get one in there. And, you know, again, contact 44 for life or, you know, your local hospital or go buy one, whatever you need to do, you need to have AEDs in your facility. And, um, You know, Griggs, it's just an unfortunate situation. Um, You know, I hate even talking about, like, what does this mean for the schedule for the NFL for the rest of the year? Like, do you just call that game a tie and and not make them resume it? Um, How does it affect the standings? I think most people, you know, 12 hours out from when this happened as we record this are like, who cares? Like, I don't care. Like, we just want to know that DeMar Hamlin's going to be okay. We're not thinking about the standings. We're not thinking about our fantasy team, any of that stupid stuff. It all seems so trivial um, in comparison to, you know, is this guy going to make it or not? And, you know, is he going to have a good quality of life moving forward? And, you know, you're just hoping for the best for him, for his family, for his friends, for his teammates, for everyone who, you know, has put their arms around him um, in his whole life. I mean, what a scary situation. And again, I think the thing that makes it so different is, the NFL is by far the most popular sport in America. So many people watch these games. So many people were watching that game last night. And, you know, it played out in front of everyone. And it's a scary scene. And I think, you know, how do you learn from situations like that? You know, if I'm the NFL, you got to have a better crisis plan if something like that happens again. If you're ESPN, you know, you did as well as you could do. But you could tell, like, when they threw it back to the studio, like, you could tell Joe Buck and Troy Aikman ran out of things to say. 
So they're like, throw it back to the studio and they throw it to the studio. And it's like Susie Colbert and Adam Schefter and Booger McFarlane. They were like, okay, well, we'll carry the time, but we don't really know what to say either. And it's totally reasonable for them to to feel like that. Like, what do you say? There, there's nothing you can say, but they have to fill the time. They have to update people on the facts. You know, in those situations too, just so people know, since I've worked in pro sports, you're really relying on the team. I mean, you know, the league is in New York. They don't have information. I mean, the most reliable sources of information are the team, in this case, the Buffalo Bills, not the Bengals, the Bills. They're the ones, you know, this is their player that this happened to. They're going to keep a real tight circle around this, right? So they're going to, I guarantee you, they went into the locker room and they said, other than offering up prayers and support, you do not release any information on what is going on right now. That needs to come from the team, right? Um, you know, the league has followed the the suit of the bills for the most part on updates. You did see a, a update from the family, like a statement. Thank you for your support. There's a marketing rep who's made the rounds on a few of the morning shows and, you know, says he's a friend of Namar's and I think he's done an excellent job, but, you know, people want to be first. They want to rush to speculate. They want to rush to, you know, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm going to get Josh Allen on the phone or I'm going to get Joe Burrow or I'm going to get, you know, one of the coaches. No, leave them alone. Like this is a painful experience for them. Like give them their privacy and give the family their privacy during this time. But, you know, it is hard to get information and everyone's like holding their breath here to see how this turns out. But, you know, the bills are the best source of information at this point. If you see information coming from anyone else, they're probably speculating. And and I don't know that I would trust it. Yeah, I think that was key to uh, Joe Buck and Troy. Man, last night they were saying that too. like, look, we don't have anything to report. We can't report. We're not going to speculate. Twitter started blowing up. You can't believe every tweet. Obviously, we've learned that in the past. But uh, you know, you just you can't say anything. And I think again, we've covered that today. They they did as good as you can do because you can't. When something's happening that big in real time, you don't know information. No one's going to give you information. You're not going to get a tweet that's going to be like, oh, it's no one else knows this. No, I mean, you have to just let it happen as it happens, and then the information will come out from the sources that you know want to give the information and are you know, should be giving the information, like you said, the team and, and family and, and, and friends like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it was a crazy night and it was, uh, it was, uh, captivating. And I, like you said, so many millions of people watching that game. It was huge, you know, Monday night football, a holiday after the Rose bowl. I mean, it was just like everybody, that was what you were doing last night was watching that game and, and big, yeah. two big teams, you know, it's a big game. So, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, I'll never forget the night for sure. It's, I've never seen anything like it. Well, and again, as we end on this topic, I will, urge the NFL, the Players Association, the Bills, the Bengals, please provide mental health resources for these players. This is not something that you forget about. Like I said earlier, you know, it's been 33 years since I watched Hank Gathers drop dead in front of me and go down on the court. And I still have dreams about it. Um, I think about it anytime I see another player go down and go, oh my God, I hope it's not the same as Hank. Um, you know, it's just a traumatic something that you never expect. And to expect that these players are going to be able to just boom, you know, compartmentalize and, and move on from this quickly. I think that's unreasonable. And, you know, they're human beings. They're not built that way. And, 
you know, again, asking them to go back and play last night would have been ridiculous. Even asking them to play this game this week would have been ridiculous. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the league does with this, you know, in the next couple weeks. But at the top of the list should be providing mental health resources for, you know, anyone who was involved in that last night. Heck, you know, viewers were traumatized by seeing what they saw. If you were on the field and this was one of your teammates or a friend or, you know, part of the brotherhood of the NFL, I can't even imagine how that impacted you other than what I saw at Loyola Marymount when I saw how it impacted, you know, the players who knew Hank so well. And um, so please NFL and NFLPA do the right thing. Keep in close contact with each other, support these players as much as you can. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Hey everyone, Brian Berger here. Roan is the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. I love their product. I've been a fan for a long time. Did you know David Stern was one of their first investors? Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on an active, balanced, and purpose-driven lifestyle. I'm wearing my spar joggers. I've got them in uh, Heather Gray. I've got them in Navy. I've got my moleskin commuter slim pant. I've got my regular black commuter pant. I've got my dress shirts. So when I'm out in in in-person meetings, I have the nicer Roan product to wear. But most of the time, I'm working from home. And I've got my rain long sleeve gray Heather camo. I've got my rain long sleeve hoodies. I am wearing the shorts for workouts, the seven inch Mako shorts. So I'll tell you what, from top to bottom, whether it's casual or business wear, Roan has me covered. I know they're going to have you covered too. And Roan is offering Sports Business Radio podcast listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter code SBR15 at checkout, like Sports Business Radio 15, SBR15 at checkout, receive 15% off your purchase. That's Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com, and enter promo code SBR15 at checkout. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Griggs, before we wrap up, you know, there's a few headlines. They seem pretty trivial yeah. <laughs> in comparison to what we've been talking about. But, you know, we'll put them we'll put them out there. Um, Direct TV had been the exclusive home of NFL Sunday tickets since 1994. But the NFL announced a deal last week with YouTube TV. It's going to start this year. Um, so this upcoming season, not this season, next season. The NFL is going to make $2 billion annually on the new seven-year contract. Supposedly, YouTube TV is going to charge $300 for the season for customers. DirecTV had been charging $149.99. So YouTube TV, according to sources, is going to double the price of what people have been paying for Sunday tickets. So um, I guess if you're putting out $2 billion annually, (laughs) if you're YouTube TV, you know, you're going to charge a pretty penny for people to subscribe to the NFL Sunday ticket. But, you know, big change after 18 years with DirecTV. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, YouTube TV has become one of the biggest streaming, you know, platforms for a cut the cord type thing. And uh, 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle. I think uh, I'm a subscriber to YouTube TV. I like what they do. I think it looks good. I think it's NFL. People are going to subscribe. I don't think the dollar amount really matters, uh, whether it's 149 or 300. If you're an NFL fan and now you can get it on YouTube TV, I think uh, you're probably going to subscribe to it. I'm probably going to do it because it's the NFL and it's fun just to be able to watch any game you want. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and YouTube TV, as DirecTV did, will get lots of people who become subscribers to right. YouTube TV now because they want to watch the NFL ticket. So, um, you know, that's ultimately the business plan for YouTube TV is, you know, there's no better live sports product than the NFL. So now that we own the exclusive home for Sunday ticket, you know, we're going to we're going to do pretty well. Um, the last headline, you know, I don't know if you watch the college football playoff Griggs, but, you know, we're down to Georgia and TCU for the national championship on January 9th at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. I was in SoFi for the Super Bowl early last year. Um, great facility, kind of a regional matchup. Um, you know, it's not like you've got uh, East versus West or teams from other parts of the, the country. It'll be interesting to see. Georgia was in it last year. Um, TCU is a little bit of a Cinderella Um and, you know, they upset Michigan. The Georgia-Ohio State game was great. The TCU-Michigan game was great. A lot of times those games are blowouts, and you're just hoping for a good national championship. But uh, what do you think, Griggs? Who's who's going to win it? Yeah, I think you both games are fun. I mean, great games to watch. I thought TCU came out and played so hard. Tackling was amazing. They were out there to win that game, and uh, they showed it. And poor Harbaugh just can't quite get it done in the, t- in the top four. But uh, I think Georgia's got the experience. I still think they're going to win that game, but uh, it should be fun. I, I think it's going to be close. TCU's fun. I mean, Max, their quarterback, is uh, electric. He is. You can't not watch that kid play. He plays hard and runs hard. But uh, it'll be a fun game. I'll be watching. I do think Georgia will get the repeat. Uh, it's going to be close, but I think Georgia wins. Yeah. Yeah, I think Georgia's going to win, too. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see ESPN's coverage. They have, like, you know, five different yeah. mega casts and <laughs> you've got the Georgia call. You've got the TCU call. They've got the alternate broadcast. Uh, I thought it was interesting that RG three's wife went into labor yeah. <laughs> when he was doing the fiesta bowl. So he like literally darted out of the stadium to go, you know, fly to his wife and, and new baby. That was an interesting moment. Pat McAfee with the alternate broadcast, uh, is always funny as well in that, uh, Georgia, Ohio state game. But two really competitive games. We can only hope that the national championship is as competitive. Kind of a sad ending for the Rose Bowl. It'll still exist, but not in the traditional form um, where we've seen, you know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12. You know, I tweeted this out. Um, this could be a really, really bad week for the Big Ten. So Michigan lost, Ohio State lost, and our friend Kevin Warren, who we've had on the show, the commissioner of the Big Ten, who recruited USC and UCLA and got that $7 billion TV deal for the Big Ten, he may be leaving to go become the president of the Chicago Bears. So if you lose Kevin Warren, who's orchestrated all these great business things and media deals and getting USC and UCLA to your conference, and Michigan and Ohio State losing the playoff in the same week or two period, not good for your conference, Griggs. Yeah, no, and Kevin's great. I mean, we've seen... 
what he's done the last couple of years and it's phenomenal on the show. Well-spoken. I mean, he's got upper management, like you said, he, he's going that way. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in an NFL with the Bears. But uh, yeah, that <laughs> that is a tough week for the the Big Ten. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, Kevin is a good, good guy. and He's going to do well wherever he goes. But then it's always like, who's going to fill his, his shoes? So we'll have to see uh, what happens with that. Yeah. And there's also reports that Jim Harbaugh would entertain a return to the NFL and leave Michigan to go back to the NFL. So you lose one of your premier coaches in your conference as well. So again, this is all trivial in light of what's happened with DeMar Hamlin. We uh, are sending positive thoughts to him and to his family, to his teammates, his friends, really hoping for the best possible outcome for him. Um, and, you know, we'll certainly have more updates on our social media platforms on Twitter is probably the best place at SB radio. We've been on top of a lot of things with the teams and the league and, you know, the marketing reps and anyone who's had, you know, news around this, um, you know, continue to follow us and, and, you know, we'll stay on top of this as, as best we can, but just hoping for a really good outcome for Tamar Hamlin and Griggs. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Looking forward to a fun 2023. We'll be doing some road shows. Uh, we'll have more great guests and uh, hoping for a good year for us. Yeah. Cheers to 2023. Uh, year 19. Looking forward to uh, a great year building up to the big 2-0. So uh, yeah, it should be fun and glad to be traveling again too. Fun to get out there and do some road shows and all the fun we get to have in different cities around the country. So happy New Year and uh, let's go get it. I will say this. I've noticed that since we were at Chase Center, the Warriors have been on a winning streak <laughs> and Clay Thompson is playing out of his mind. He yeah. had 54 points last night. So I think we left some good sports business radio karma with the Warriors and the Chase Center. For we sure. There. For sure. That seems to follow us around. I mean, Tampa Bay, we got some good winners after we uh, we have guests on that uh, you know are high up in these leagues and these uh, sporting teams. So I think it's great. Let's keep it going. Exactly. All right, we will talk to everyone next week. Have a safe week, and we'll see you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. This episode of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the fastest-growing fantasy app ever released and the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. And with early investors like Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and Jared Goff, I know that Underdog Fantasy is made for people like me who are on the go and want something quick, easy, and fun to play. And today, we've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. If you sign up to Underdog Fantasy using the promo code SBR, they're going to double your first deposit up to $100. No risk, no long-term commitment. Just sign up using promo code SBR, and your first deposit is matched up to $100 for free. I already play Underdog Fantasy on the Underdog Fantasy app, but if I didn't, I'd use that free $100 and go for a pick'em contest where I can bet the over-under on individual players or team matchups. Or maybe the Best Ball Mania 3 contest worth $10 million in total prizes. All you have to do is draft a team for the season. No waivers, no lineups, no injury reports. Underdog Fantasy takes care of all of that for you. So do what I've been doing. Go to Underdog Fantasy. Download the app, sign up with promo code SBR, and get started right away with a free match on your first deposit up to $100. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our team at Sports Business Radio, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and our friends at CG Sports who power Sports Business Radio, CG Young, 
Matt Amerlin, Nicole Wardle, and Calvin Wirtz. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.